in pictures, and the pictures is pretty much all you really need, so you'll figure it out. Um, but I do have a few things this morning that we need to take care of, and one, a couple of announcements, a little, little uh, some housekeeping things. First of all, um, how about our Lady Cavaliers win in the state championship? Let's give it up for them. They had a great season, and uh, want to also do this to, uh, hate to do it, but Miss Lauren Alley, number 30, will you please stand up for us? Hey, that's a state champion right there. Congratulations. Uh, way to go. Hey, uh, she's won more state championships than I have. <laughs> hey, probably y'all too, right? I don't know. But uh, anyways, uh, praise the Lord for that. It's exciting to celebrate our community and, and what, uh, what these ladies were able to uh, uh, accomplish. And so uh, praise the Lord for that. And if you see one of them on the street, buy, buy, them, a, buy them a Coke and give them a pat on the back. Tell them, tell them congrats and Let's go get another one next year. How about that? All right. A um, couple other quick things. To recognize somebody else as well, and they're not a state champion, but this is sort of a church state championship, all right? Um, through the Bible program, part number 30, uh, y'all give it up for Miss Jackie King. Come on. I'll meet you halfway here. <laughs> Congratulations. Uh, that's a lot of hard work there, and, and uh, she'll get her through the Bible state championship ring come next season. <laughs> but uh, all right, and then as well too, um, we have a uh, a thank you card from Miss Miss Carol, and uh, I don't see Miss Carol this morning. Is she here? Okay, well she was here last week, and last week was her first Sunday back in a long time. She had battled COVID and has been recovering for for quite some time. But praise the Lord, last week. Um, she was she was here, and so she wanted to make sure that you guys have this card, and I uh, just wanted to say to my Victory Way family and friends, want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart uh, for all of uh, the kindness, love, and most of all your prayers. It's been a long road, but God um, saw fit to leave, uh, to let me live. I want to always praise and and thank Him for letting me be a miracle. Amen. Uh, love and prayers, Carol Burris. So praise the Lord for that. Uh, truly is an answer to prayer and truly is a, a, a miracle. But um, So praise the Lord for that. Um, a couple other quick things, and this is it. My only big announcement is this. Um, at the first of the year, we had uh, kind of voted and said that we were going to be doing some work this spring uh, for our pavilion. So our pavilion project is getting ramped up and in the works. And you're probably wondering, what all's getting done? Here's what all's getting done. <laughs> all right. Um, so here's what we're looking to do. I want to give you the what, the why, the how, and the when, all right? So y'all sit tight, okay? Um, first of all, what's going to be taking place is we're going to be having some upgraded electrical stuff with new 100 amp, uh, directable burial, uh, burial feeder and electric panel in the pavilion. So what that means is this, long story short, we're going to get lights, we're going to get electrical outlets so that we can better use our... Uh, pavilion okay that pavilion was not meant to just be a a good looking shed all right that uh, we, we want to be able to use this thing for all we can use it for and when it was built it was built for that that very reason but what's uh, going to be happening is we're going to be getting five uh weatherproof enclosure protected uh receptacles inside of the pavilion so that we can use it for everything from extension cords hot dogs microphones sound system whatever crock pots the, the works, right? You can even charge your cell phone out there if you want to, okay? Um, but then we also are going to be getting six eight-foot 
um, LED light strips on the ceiling so that we can have lights anytime we need and or want them. And as well as getting a big LED, not, not too big, I don't know how big exactly, but an LED wall pack on the front part of the pavilion to be able to light the grounds outside. And it's going to have a dust till dawn timer, so that way it's going to help out a little bit with security. It's going to help out a, a little bit to uh, scare the deer away. Uh, they've been making tracks all up in our yard now. But, uh, um, but it's going to allow us to better use the shelter, um, especially in the evening time and things like that as the weather starts to warm up. Now, I want to give you the why, all right? The what is important, but I believe the why is important -er, okay? Um, the why behind this is, first of all, when the pavilion was built to be used, it was built to be used for decades to come. It was not built just for a short-term fix or a short-term decoration, okay? Uh, it cannot truly function as designed without the electrical panels, receptacles, and lightings. That's what's going to make it really function for all that it can be, okay? How many of you guys know that we have a playground down there? Okay, class participate. How many of you know that we have a pavilion? All right. Now, sadly, I've seen that pavilion sit more than it's been used. I've seen the swings get swung by the wind more than kids and parents. Okay. Now, as we're moving forward, what do we want to see? Kids and parents and swings. I want to see little kids get slide burns going down that hot slide in the middle of summer. All right. <laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's, it's character building is what that is. I want to see us be able to use that pavilion for what it is, not just for our church, but for our community, okay? Um, furthermore, this will allow us to have a larger amount and type of usage. Um, since I've been here, granted, it's been a, a pretty cold here lately. I don't know. It, it might have snowed the other day. I don't know if you, sure if you noticed, but the last time we used that thing was the 4th of July, and it was great. But guess what? When the fireworks were off, we couldn't see a thing to clean up. But you know what's going to fix that? Six, eight-foot tandem LED light strips, <laughs> right? Uh, now, here, here as well, we're going to have direct access to the receptacles to be used for fellowship meals, outdoor services and events, uh, community outreach events, a whole multitude of things. The sky really will be the limit. Furthermore, this is going to give us a whole lot easier of a way to clean up afterwards by having lights to see outside of the pavilion, in front, and inside, all right? Um, but just to give you some, some specific events just this year that we're going to be able to use this for, uh, Vacation Bible School, 4th of July, um, a back-to-school bash in August. Um, we're going to be having Kids Club. Uh, how about prayer meetings outside, right? Wouldn't you rather listen to Pastor Joe flap his lips in the nice, cool evening air, wouldn't you? Right? <laughs> Amen, somebody there. <laughs> <laughs> rather listen to me out there than in here, I guess, but I don't know. If you like the pews, pick one up and we can take it down with us. Uh, but think about this. Completing the upgrades will also complete the pavilion project that was started three years ago. And having these upgrades will allow us to better fulfill our mission, which is to know Christ and to make him known. Furthermore, this will allow us to do so as we accomplish our vision, which we say is to strive to be a unified body of believers who daily seek to glorify God in our community through genuine worship, discipleship, fellowship, and outreach. And fulfilling and completing this pavilion project will allow us to do all of that in a, in a, in a different way and in a great way. So now here's the how and the when. Uh, first of all, the how is we got to pay somebody to do it. All right, We have an estimate, and it's a, a great group of guys that are able to take care of this, but the cost is uh, $4,686.29. Now you might be thinking that's a whole lot of money. Sure, it absolutely is. But you know something? I believe this is money that's not being invested just so we can turn on a light switch 
or put in a crock pot. This is that we can reach our community. We can better serve each other and we can better serve the community and neighborhood around us. That's what we need. That's what we've said. This is who we are and this is what we're about. Now, this can also be and plan to be completed later this spring. More than likely what we're shooting for, just depending on timetable, weather and things like that, hopefully by the end of April, but before a kids club would start up in May. So here's what we're doing. We're asking for a special offering of giving for the rest of the month of March. Only March. All right? That's this Sunday, the following Sunday, and the last Sunday of March. That's it. Okay? Three weeks. Uh, Only for the month of March to raise these needed funds. If you would like to give, we ask that you please prayerfully do so uh, this month by using an envelope that will be marked and must be marked Pavilion Project in order to designate it. I'm trusting God. I'm trusting God and I'm believing that Um, as we trust Him and as we give from our hearts and as we give for the big picture and for the long haul so that way our kids and grandkids and their kids and their grandkids can enjoy these things. And not just our inward folks in this church can enjoy this, but so our community can as well. What I see when we put lights down there and electrical things, I don't just see that we have room for crock pots and we can see it dark. What I see is that we have the opportunity to reach souls. We can see salvations. We can see outreach events. We can see the gospel not just come inward, but go outward. And so I ask you that we would prayerfully as well consider this. From our hearts, let's hear what uh, William Carey, who is the father of modern missions, said. He said, expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. I believe that this is going to be a great attempt for God to be used by God and for God to the glory of God for generations to come. And so this month, starting today and through the rest of the month of March only, we're going to be taking this special offering. So if you are prayerfully willing to give, we ask that you do so, and I'm going to prayerfully trust that God's going to answer. And so with that, let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you, God. We're grateful that we can gather, we can worship you, we can praise your name. Lord, you you are worthy, you are good, you are faithful. God, we thank you for the work that you've been doing in hearts and lives for the past few weeks. And, and Lord, we thank you in advance, God, for the work that you're going to do today, but for the work that you're going to continue to do as we're preparing our hearts for revival. God, we pray that you would um, just prepare our hearts soil, Lord, to receive what we need today and, and, and in the weeks to come. God, we lift up this service today that you would be honored and glorified. Lord, that you would be high and lifted up. And Lord, that our hearts would be full and would be filled of praise and worship and adoration of who you are and and, and of gratefulness, Lord, for the things that you've done. God, I pray that we would as well, uh, this month, starting today, God, that we would give truly from our hearts, not just to the church, but Lord, to this project, so that you would use us and use this project, God, not just so that we would enjoy it ourselves, but God, so that we would reach our community. God, that we would have a heart and a burden, not just so that we would grow in number or discipleship or, or grow our, ourselves, but Lord, that, so that we would see seeds planted and fruit in our community that desperately needs the light of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would help us today, guard and guide our hearts and our minds. And Lord, we just thank you for meeting with us now. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known.
Please stand and as we sing face to face. If you're able, please stand. If you're not, remain seated. But face to face, 781 in the hymnal. We'll see him face to face one day. Praise the Lord. Face to face with Christ my Savior. Face to face, what will it be? When with rapture I behold him, Jesus Christ who died for me. Face to face I shall behold him far beyond the starry sky. Face to face in all his glory. I shall see him by and by. Face to face, oh blissful moment. Face to face to see and know. Face to face with my Redeemer, Jesus Christ, who loves me so. I shall behold him far beyond the starry sky. Face to face in all his glory, I shall see him by and by. Remain standing. 1 Corinthians 5, 17. One of my favorite verses. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Since Jesus came into my heart, hymn number 503, if you wish to turn there. And what a wonderful change in my life has been wrought since Jesus came into my heart. I have light in my soul for which long I had sought since Jesus came into my heart. Since Jesus came into of joy o'er my soul like the sea billows roll since Jesus came into my heart I have ceased from my wandering and going astray since Jesus came into my heart and my sins which were many are all
John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. But by me. Jesus is the only way. In Christ alone. <clears throat> In Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace. When fears are still, when striving cease, my comforter, my all in all, here in the love of Christ I stand. In Christ alone, who took on flesh, fullness of God in statement that is and comforting and reassuring and blessing 
All right, now we have some special music now by Larry Davis and the gang. Look, look like we got a big crew here today, so y'all come on. wife wanted us to do a, a happy, upbeat song today, so we're going to do a happy, happy, happy song. And uh, this is a happy, happy week for us, because uh, wife's having a birthday, you know what I'm saying? Right? Supposed to be. She'll be a million <laughs> years old. That's what I And uh, <coughs> not only that, but we got an anniversary coming up, too. How old will that be? <laughs> <laughs> 54 years. Coming up God's been good. Yeah. Five kids, 16 grand, 12 greats, and five of them got birthdays in March. <clears throat> so we're going to party down in March. But we got birthdays every month of the year with that bigger family. We Birthdays all the time. So uh, we're going to do a happy, happy song. Just over in the 
Thanks to you, Tony. Multi-talented guy, I'm telling you. He can play anything that's got strings on it. You, you can join us, too, <laughs> Tony. But he's a blessing. He really is. I want to do a song, if you'll bear with me just a minute. I heard this song a couple weeks ago, and uh, it uh, really touched my heart. And uh, I want to dedicate it to that little lady right there. And uh, you folks that's been married for a while, I believe you'll be able to relate to this song.
reminds me of another song. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Amen. Join with me in prayer. Our gracious Heavenly Father, merciful, loving, kind, saving God, we come to you in the name of Jesus, and we just thank you and praise you for this opportunity to pray, to come into your house, to worship you, to gather together in the name of Jesus and fellowship around your word in singing and preaching. Lord, we just ask you to bless our pastor in the message. Fill him, Lord, with your power and your spirit. And Lord, uh, use him as a, as a mighty voice from heaven this morning and as your mouthpiece. And we pray, Lord, you give him liberty and boldness, clarity of thought and speech, that your word might be preached here today to honor and glorify you. Forgive us all our shortcomings and failures. We want to tell you we love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you again for this day and this time we can come into your house. Jesus' name we always pray. Amen. Okay, please stand if you're able. Excuse me for making that beating and the banging racket there. Psalm 55, 18 says, He hath delivered my soul in peace from the battle that was against me. It is well with my soul.
as he comes to preach the word of God. Well, good morning again. Good morning. Good morning. That <laughs> was y'all's, y'all's turn there. Uh, class participation here. We, uh, all right. Take your Bibles. Turn with me to Romans chapter number 12 this morning. Romans chapter number 12. Romans chapter number 12 this morning. Today we're going to be looking at the character of a Christ-centered church. Today's part one. <laughs> there's, there's a couple more, but uh, we're going to try to get through this one today. Uh, today is, we're going to be looking at sacrificing. Now, this morning already I've called us to a little bit of sacrifice, to sacrifice with some extra giving for a project that we've started and that we want to finish, that we want to use the, the glory of God. We've sung, sung, uh, we've sung songs, there we go, we haven't sung songs, right? We've sung songs about the sacrifice of the Lord and what He's done for us and about how now we sacrifice our lives to Him. We've even heard songs about love and sacrifice between husband and wife. Praise the Lord for that. Because as any married couple knows, it's not always love and sunshine and peaches and cream and rainbows, right? Right? Well, for y'all. <laughs> right? No, but think about this, right? It's sacrifice, isn't it? Some hard days, some difficult days. And when it comes to the church, where we're at in our nation, where we're at in our culture and society is much like the rest of the nation in the secular world is that we have become consumerists. We want to come, get what we can get out of it, pay our, pay our entrance fee and exit fee and, and, and get out, right? We want as little accountability as possible. We want church more so than we do Jesus. We want the comfortableness more than we do the conviction or uh, the, the Christ who brings about conviction and a seriousness to His Word and to how we are to live our lives. We all love love. We all love the idea of love. But we love the idea of love that is the funny, warm, tickly, warm, fuzzy feelings, right? And we love the I love you, no, I love you more stuff. But love is hard when love is really love. Love is hard because love is sacrifice. We're going to look here today, verse number 9. We're going to look at verses 9 and 10 today. Sacrifice. It says, Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cling to that which is good. Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. In honor, preferring one another. Let us pray. Almighty God, we come to you this morning grateful that we can praise you. Lord, that we can sing such beautiful songs about all that You are and all that You've done for us. God, I pray that we continue to praise You now as Your Word is preached. Lord, I pray that You would clear my heart and my mind, fill me with Your Spirit, allow me to preach boldly and accurately according to Your Word. God, I pray that if there's a heart that today that needs saving, Lord, that You would save them. If there's a heart that needs convicting, You would convict them. If there's a heart that needs assurance today, You would bring assurance. Lord, whatever the need today, I pray that You would do so through the power of Your Word, through the power of Your Holy Spirit. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to give you a couple songs here that you've probably heard before that deal with love, all right, a little bit, right? The, the culture loves love, and, and the church loves love. We love love. You might have heard a song before, All You Need Is Love. Love, love. Love is all you need. Uh, made famous by the Beatles, all right? Okay. Here's one, maybe a little bit more of a, a deep cut, all right? Love. Love will keep us together. 
as the captain and Tennille there for a few of you. Maybe only a handful, all right? Probably wondering even how I know Captain Tennille, okay? <laughs> in my day, when you'd wake up early in the morning and they had those infomercials and stuff about, I love the 70s CDs, okay? That, here we are, all right? And I had parents who grew up under such, so here I am today. The world is obsessed with love, but not real love. The world is obsessed with feeling good about oneself. The, the world is obsessed with receiving love. The, the world is obsessed and desiring that, that they would have other sacrifice for them so that they would feel loved. But sadly, the church has fallen into the same trap. We have to have the right idea and understanding about what real love is. And love is sacrifice and action. There is no love without sacrifice. And warm fuzzies do not equal love. They just equal warm fuzzies or indigestion, okay? Love is sacrifice. Our great need and vision as a church, where we say, strive to be a unified body of believers. I want to say this will only happen as we move forward as a Christ-centered church, but we will only be a Christ-centered church if every individual becomes a Christ-centered Christian. I love programs because they're used of God to reach kids or reach certain groups or this, that, and the other. But we must never be a church that is a program-centered church because then it will only be a program-centered church. We must never be a music-centered church because then we will only be a music-centered church. We must be and can only be a church that is Christ-centered. And if a church does anything that is no longer keeping Christ as the, the center of every ministry, every program, every song, every lyric, every building project, then it ceases to do the work of the church. And as well, if we allow the church to do so, then that means that us as individual Christians have done the same in our own life because as the church goes, or more rather this, as we go, goes the church because we are the church. The pastor is not the church, the deacons are not the church, the constitution is not the church, the church is the church, and the church belongs to Christ. It is Jesus' church, Jesus' money, Jesus' people. It's Jesus' pavilion, by the way. And here before too long, it's going to be Jesus' lights and Jesus' receptacle outlets. All right? He's just letting us use those things. To His kingdom and to His glory. I want us to be a Christ-centered church. And you might say, well, pastor, are we not a Christ-centered church? I don't know. Am I a Christ-centered pastor? I want to be. Are you a Christ-centered Christian? We, we want to be. We must be. We do Christ-centered things in our life, but not all of our life is Christ-centered. We must not be Christ-centered only on Sunday mornings when we sing and we raise our hands, and rightly so because we should, but we must be Christ-centered come Monday morning when the rubber meets the road. We must be Christ-centered when our, our world falls apart. We must be Christ-centered when we do have the lights of the pavilion and things are going great. And, and we've got uh, um, you know, these club, uh, club happening, and kids club and, and programs, and, and things are, are happening. They, they must be Christ-centered. Everything must be Christ-centered. And it will be truly as Christ-centered as you make it and as I make it. In the context of this passage here that we're going to be working our way through just to give you a little bit of heads up, over the next couple of weeks, verses 9 through 21. It's a, whole, well, it's a whole chunk, and y'all know that's far too many verses for me to try to preach in one sentence. All right? Two's a stretch today. 
But to help give us some context today, first of all, before we have a, a, a transformed church, we have transformed Christians. Verse 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So the way that we get a transformed church, the way that we get a transformed community, the way that we get a, a Christ-centered church or a Christ-centered community is by first being transformed as believers ourselves. The goal of every Christian is to be just that, a, a little Christ, to be Christ-like, to be made in the image of Jesus, to be following Jesus, walking after Jesus, to be Jesus-centered in everything that we do. Jesus-centered in your finances. Jesus-centered in your job. Jesus-centered in your, your uh, family activities. Jesus-centered in going to Taco Bell to get a taco after church. Everything must be focused upon Christ and how we can be used of Him and how Christ can be magnified in our life. We are to conform to Christ both inwardly, then outwardly. Because there are far too many today that focus or, or um, commit or conform to church but not Christ. I want you to know we're not here to play church games. We're not here to conform to church because conforming to church will send you to hell. Conforming to Christ is where we have been inwardly changed by being born again. What is being born again? It is where we have come to the realization through the, the conviction of the Holy Spirit that shows us that we are lost and undone in our sin, that we are separate from God and that we can't be good enough, go to church enough, or give enough money to building projects enough to get to heaven. But rather, it is only through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. It is by, as we've just sung, Christ alone that we are saved. It is through Christ alone that we are saved, sealed, and will one day be brought home unto Him to see Him face to face, to worship Him uh, finally and completely with, with pure hearts and attitudes. We must be transformed from the inside out and as a work of the Holy Spirit as we yield to Him in our lives. But then, in verses 3-8, to eight, we get the transformed church. He says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to, uh, uh, to the proportion of faith or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching, or he that exhorteth exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence, he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Transformed church is a transformed church because it's had Christians that are conformed, which makes a church that conforms not to church, not to tradition, but to Christ alone. The church is only transformed by contributing what we are called to contribute as the body of Christ. And by the way, the greatest contribution that you will ever make is not going to be in an envelope and dropped in a box. The greatest contribution that you make is not just filling up space on a pew. The greatest contribution that you make is that you inwardly have conformed your heart, your mind, your soul, your family to Christ. And you offer the gifts, not of the money and the attendance, 
but of your heart and the things that God does through you and desires to do through you to the local body. We are many members, yet one body. There's one Victory Way Baptist Church in this particular location. But the church is many members, but yet one. It is truly a family. It is one body. There's many metaphors or illustrations to give to it, but we see that each person here today has something to give and something to offer. And what he's talking about here is that uh, for we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, right? We understand that. Not everybody can do the same thing as everybody. Everybody is not geared to work in the nursery. If you're not good with kids, you know what you probably shouldn't do? I'll give you a hint, right? <laughs> for that, we're going to hand you a stack of bulletins, and we're going to let you greet. Smile and wave, okay? You can do that, all right? And if you're, if you're not even good at smiling and waving, we've got a card ministry. Just sign your name, put your cell phone number, and we'll send you people to send cards to. Or you can just go down the long list and just start sending them out. You can pray. You can give. There's a multitude of things that you can do that God desires to use each person in this place with the many talents, the many backgrounds, the many ways of thinking to bring together one body to be used for the glory of God. There's no excuse, by the way, to not be involved. You can't say, well, I just don't like the music. Or I don't like the way the kids club gets done. Or I don't like the this. And the color of carpet, don't get me started on that. Right? Let's think about this. When we give an excuse as to why we can't be used for God, what we've done is we've said, God, you can't use me. God looks at us and He says that He desires to use us because we are in Christ. It is not our power or our gifts or our talents or our own goodness. It is Him through us using our personalities and our talents and our gifts that He has given to us to not hoard for ourselves, but to give to the body. Who's the body? Look around you. It's everybody else. It's the rest of the church. It's the vision and the mission of this church and what we stand for and who we stand for. Membership, by the way, in this passage is very clear. Membership does not equal attendance. And attendance does not equal membership. To be a member, he's saying that you're involved. That you're giving, not just with your money and not just with your time of showing up to put on a happy face, but he's saying that you're giving all of who you are because Christ has given all of who He is to us. What we need, and certainly we pray, and it's a prayerful goal this year to have more church members, but I believe in more so in revival that we would have members that would be revived to real membership. Now as we look here, the character of the Christ in our church then is going to be verses 9 through 21. The church and the individual must be Christ-centered. To be so, and this is sort of our outline for the next couple of weeks, verses 9 and 10, we must be sacrificing. Verses 11 to 15, we must be serving. And verses 16 and 21, we must be submitting. Humbly. Now, just because I gave you those points doesn't mean you skip the next two weeks, by the way. You're going to want to come back for that. And let's look at these commands of our character, verses 9 and 10. It says, first of all, to understand sacrificing, we look at this word, let love be without dissimulation. Love without dissimulation. Anyone ever word, uh, wondered what that big long word is? Just me? Just the pastor? The rest of y'all know it? Good. <laughs> All right. We'll trade spots. All right. 
This word is, first of all, I want us to look at, at love here. Love is so misconstrued, so misused, so overused. Here, this particular word of, of love is that of agape. It is the agape love, which is an unconditional, sacrificial love that is known from God, by God, to his people. It is one that gives of oneself without expecting anything in return. It is one that gives and keeps giving even when nothing gets given back. It is one that continues to give out of an outflow of true and genuine love of heart. It is not just the I love you, no, you hang up first, no, you hang up first because I love you more. It is a I'm going to give to you and keep giving to you whether you give back to me or not because of who God is and I'm called to love you, so that's what I'm going to do. The Bible doesn't always tell us that we have to like people, but it says that we have to love them. As a matter of fact, it's probably even harder, though, to love than to like. You can find things you like about just about anybody and anything, but it's hard to love when you will get nothing in return. And then as well, where it's only true love and you're only showing real love if you don't expect anything in return and don't even desire anything in return. There's a God-like love motivated and materialized by the gracious work of the Holy Spirit within the believer. It is a work of God. It is found in Romans 5, uh, 5 tells us, uh, 5, 8 rather, uh, but God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We find in, in Romans 5, 5, that hope maketh not ashamed because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. We know love because He first loved us. We love God because He first loved us. We know how to love one another because God has shown us what love is. And love at its very root, especially with this particular word, it is that of sacrifice. I want you to know, when it comes to church and just coming, it doesn't take a lot of sacrifice, but it does take some, doesn't it? It takes a little bit more sacrifice to come regular. It takes more sacrifice to give regular. It takes more sacrifice to then get plugged in and say, I'll serve on this or that. It takes more sacrifice to pray about those things and to give the gifts of which you've been given. It's, it's even more sacrifice to get to know the people, right? It's easy to blend in. It's easy to come in, clock in, clock out. No accountability, no involvement. It's easy, but it's not real love. It's not true involvement. It's not true membership. And to have that, to be truly a Christ-centered Christian and to truly be a Christ-centered church means that we've got to sacrifice. And this is the part that us as American Christians don't like. We go, well, we're sacrificing enough. Look at our gas prices. Or look at this. Or I've got to do this and that. Or, or, or now we've got this extra project to do. Or we've got this you're asking me to sign up to help for. Sacrifice. I thank God that not one time on the cross and the many cries that we hear from the cross from Jesus, He never says, I'm done. No, He would cry out, it is finished. But never that He said, my sacrifice is too much, I'm done doing this. This is far too uncomfortable. Could, could you loosen up the nails? Don't find that. We find it from our own hearts though. Man, the expectation or this is that. It's just too much. See, love, if we understand love, sacrifice. Sacrifice in action. Love is as well found in Galatians 5.22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith. It literally flows. Everything outflows from our love for God. But our love for God is an outflow of His love for us. It is not just something that is spoken 
or felt it must always be spoken and shown. As we've been studying in 1 John in Sunday school, reminded of 1 John 3.18, my little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. To those who have been married for a long time, if your spouse just says that they love you, and it's just a cold, bland, I love you, right? Every day, it's all you get. Don't even get a peck on the cheek, right? Every day, I love you. Every day, I love you. But then there's no communication throughout the day. There's no sacrifice. There's no help. There's no affection. There's no uh, anything else, right? And I'm not just talking about having warm fuzzies all the time, okay? Just cold. You see, we can tell God how much we love him. We can tell each other how much we love each other. But we can really tell how much we love God and how much we love each other through our real loving sacrifice. To love is to sacrifice. But then we get to the next portion. He says, let love be without dissimulation. This is the word here that is, comes from a root for hypocrisy. It is that of hypocrisy it is this idea of deceiving. It is deception and a concealment of one's true character and feelings or motives. It was often used for those who were play actors who would wear, wear a mask. Sadly, it would often describe most church members who walk into church with a mask on. Good morning. How are you? I'm fine. Right? Good to see you. Is it? Right? It's a great day. Doing fine. Everything's hunky-dory. I didn't just get into a, a spat with my wife on the way in here about how I drove. Uh, you know, I, I uh, didn't just not forget how to, uh, fill, uh, to, to fill up my gas tank the night before. Right? My, my coffee didn't spill this morning. Right? All that stuff. You think. We, we've got so many things that we have happen. And then we come in. We play the part. All of us know the Christianese. Right? We know the right things to say. We know how to say it. We know how to say, oh, yep, bless the Lord. Amen. Good day. Thankful. Amen. Uh, the, you know, today, hashtag blessed. All this stuff, right? We've got the whole nine yards. And we can fool each other, but we cannot fool God. And what we do is we play a part. We put on a mask, and when we walk out of here, we take it back off. I want you to know God doesn't want you to come in here with a mask on. All right? He doesn't want you to come in here pretending to be something that you're not. He doesn't want you to come in here trying to be uh, somebody better or this or that. He wants you to be who you are, as you are, for His glory. And you know what Pastor Joe desires? is for me to be the same and for you to be the same outside this pulpit, inside this church, outside this church. Who you see at Walmart should be who you see at church, and who you see at church should be who you see at Walmart. How many of you have ever heard this phrase? I'd go to church if it weren't for all the... Oh, Casey, I've heard that before. Okay. Right? Why? Because most of us are probably the ones he's talking about. You know, I, I'd probably go to church more too if it wasn't for the hypocrites, but you know what? I'm stuck here with y'all, and y'all are stuck here with me. Y'all are looking at a hypocrite. I'm looking at hypocrites. Shouldn't stop me from ever walking through those back doors. What it should do is it should make us go, Lord, help me to not be fake. Lord, help me today to be real. Help me today to, to be real in my walk, to be genuine in my walk. God is not looking for fakes. He's not looking for phonies. And He ain't looking for Pharisees. He's looking for folks to simply say, Lord, I mess up. And I've got to be real with you. But I've got to be real with others. Because I want you to know, if you want to have a Christ-centered church, you're going to have to be Christ-centered. To be Christ-centered means we ain't putting on and off masks saying, I'm fine when I'm not fine, or I'm godly when I'm not godly, or I don't have this sin when I actually have that sin, or whatever it might be. He says, 
essentially in this verse, love, but don't do it like a hypocrite. To not have a hypocritical love. Sadly, what the world sees is an awful lot of hypocritical Christians. One who are not just hypocritical in maybe the things that they say and do or allow or don't allow, but I'm talking about in just being ingenuine. Not genuine in their walk in the church, not genuine in their walk outside the church. I have countless people who I've talked to, countless times in my own life where I go, faker than a $3 bill. Right? Fake money. Monopoly money. You know what we need? More than anything as a church, it's not this program, it's not that program. Programs are nice and we use them and praise God we're about to. What we need is for us to just get real with God and to get real with each other. And that would go a whole long way. The reason why we schedule revival meetings is not because we just want you to come and have extra preaching and to get to hear somebody else preach. It's nice and you'll enjoy it. But it's that we would get real with God and get real with ourselves to get real with each other so that we would be real in our community that is a very real community that will either go to a real heaven or a real hell. If we truly believe that those eternal things are real, should we not live as such on this earth? Our love is to be genuine, to be sincere, to be without pretense. So let me ask you, church, is it? Is your love for Christ real, genuine? Is your love for Jesus' people real, genuine, without pretense? We have to search our hearts. Second thing that he says here. He says, abhor that which is evil. The word here literally means to hate, to loathe, and to detest. That don't sound very loving, does it? <laughs> no. Matter of fact, he says literally, hate that which is evil. Detest it. Be totally against it. Also, another usage is it has the same feeling, and this is I found this very interesting. To have a feeling of shuddering at being horrified by something. And to even have a bitter hatred towards something. Sin is very strange in the Christian life. We don't hate sin as much as we should hate sin. But on the other hand, we as well are not nearly horrified by sin as we should be. It is a horrifying thing to know that our very sin goes against the God that we say that we love. It should horrify us that many of us say that we love God with our lips but then curse man. It should horrify us that we are so quick and so easy to speak harsh words and to speak evil things or to run to evil things and then cover it up and not tell a soul and pretend that we got away with it and, and God didn't see or know. It should horrify us. It should make us shudder. It should, though, drive us to hate that which is evil. Because God does. Some say God doesn't hate. God does hate. He even, in Proverbs, gives a, a list of things. He says, I hate these things. And names them. And sadly, those same things in that passage are not just found in the world, but so many are found from pew to pew and in the aisles and in the corners of churches that draw each other in with hypocrisy and gossip and spit vile venom and run to evil. But because we look on the outside and know the Christian talk, it's ignored. 
I could tell you those who follow into those are not Christ-centered, nor are they helping the church to be more Christ-centered, but they're keeping evil inside. They need to get their hearts right. You want the church right? Get your heart right. Furthermore, this is in the present tense. That doesn't mean much to most of you if you're not an English major. I wasn't an English major neither, but this does make a difference with God here. The present tense literally means to keep on keeping on. To keep on aboring. So don't just hate sin one time because you did it and you messed it and go, man, I just hate that rotten sin I keep committing. It means hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it, hate it, double hate, triple hate, loathe entirely. All right? It's to keep on hating. It's to not stop hating our sin. It's to not stop hating the things that are evil. You know why? Because there's never been a time or a millisecond where God says, you know what, I'm actually okay with pride. I'm actually okay with gossip or deceit or those that spread discord among the brethren. No! He hates it and keeps on hating it. We must do the same. So what is evil? Evil in its basic sense is that which is not good. That which is not righteous, holy, pure. The idea of this passage is not just to hate that which is evil, but as well as to separate from that which is evil. The church should be known to emulate Christ, not the world. We had just seen, can be not conformed to this world. Be transformed. We are to be conformed to the Word of God. He makes it clear, abundantly clear. And yet somehow, seems to be generation after generation, we've somehow gotten it wrong and we've allowed hypocrisy to flourish in our churches. We've allowed hypocrites behind pulpits. We've allowed uh, the hypocrisy to spread through our church to where now our churches are almost always known by being inward focused and not outward reaching. By being inward pleasing and not upward glorifying. These things should not be so. We are to separate ourselves from evil. Even to hate it. To hate what is sinful. Or that which causes sin. Not just publicly, but privately. Where this matters most is not here this morning as you hear me preach this, but in your heart the moment you get home and you're by yourself. We're to love the things that God loves, but to hate the things that God hates. One author said, True love involves a hatred of all evil. You will not truly love God unless you truly hate evil. To abhor it. But then on the flip side of this, he says, then cleave to that which is good. If evil and, and, and abhorring it is not just hating it, but separating ourselves from it, then on the other side, he says, cleave to that which is good. The word cleave here is to be joined, to be fastened or united, even in some cases that of glued. You could think about it as, as welding something together, right? Um, I'm not good at that. I can do glue sticks. I can't do the full paste. I can do a glue stick and that's it. Beyond that, I'm toast, all right? Some of you guys can weld things, glue things, put things together. I can use a command strip. That's about it. But we're talking about much more than that. We're talking about something that goes from two to one. And this, by the way, as well as in the present tense, so it's to cleave and then to keep on cleaving. To cleave and to cleave and to cleave, to hold on to, to grasp, to be united, to be fastened to. It is the, the idea to be fastened so it doesn't come apart. Every man in here would, would know this. You strap something down with ratchet straps on the back of your truck. And what do you do? You pull it, you smack it, and you go, that ain't going nowhere, right? 
what some of us need to do with our Christian walks today is not just to put a fast, you know, a ratchet strap on there, and is we need to do the test. It ain't going nowhere. We need to make sure that what we are cleaving to ain't going nowhere. Because sadly, we've got a generation that isn't even in, let alone we've got countless others who right now are leaving the faith and are leaving churches by the droves because they've witnessed the hypocrisy. They have not received the real love of God, let alone the real love of people inside the church. They have been fed the lie that evil isn't that bad and that evil is actually good and that what is good is actually evil. And they've taken this in from the culture. They've seen the effects in the church. They don't know how to cleave to that which is good because most of them don't even know what good is. Others as well use this, uh, this phrase, this word for cleave. Other uses are found in the New Testament when discussing the union of marriage. This is the two become one mentality. Doesn't the Bible say leave and then cleave? Right? It's not cleave with a, with a cleaver. It's to leave and cleave to hold on to. It's not two individuals anymore. It's one. It's not this family and that family. It's husband and wife stuck. Through the thick, through the thin, for richer, for poor, for better or worse, till death do his part, right? Y'all have been to weddings. Y'all know the whole spiel. But there's a reason that this word is used, and it's to show us the severity. It's to show us the implication that we are to cleave daily and moment by moment to that which God loves and calls good. We are to be known by it. And as we abhor or hate or separate ourselves from evil, we are then to love and to cling, to to cleave to that which is good, to unite ourselves to it. And what we find is that then this is what Romans 12.2 tells us is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Then we find this in verse 10. It says, Be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love. It's an old song, you guys might have heard it a million times. We are family, right? We're family. Everybody in this church that is saved is no longer your own family. You belong to the family of God because you've been born again into it. This means that most of us, truly, if we're really honest, have a deeper connection with those in church than we do with outside family. As sad as it might be, especially according to the world's standards, we have a closer knit bond than we do with blood family, physical family. Because this is a blood family and a physical family that is the body of Christ bound by the blood of Jesus that has washed us clean, that has united us together to give us one mind, one heart, one accord. To, as we say in our, our vision statement, to be striving daily to be a unified body, right? Striving to be this. Here to be kindly affectionate is that love and affection given and seen within a closely knit household family. Right? You, you know, there's nobody that loves you like family. There's also nobody that will hurt you like family. When it comes to the church, there's nobody that will love you like the church. But sadly, there's no one that can hurt you quite like the church either. 
I believe the very reason is because we've got to get to the place where we are so Christ-centered in our individual walks and Christ-centered in our church that at the end of the day, we are able to not just glance over some things or some issues or problems, but that we can love like Jesus loved. Because we love Christ above all things. See, Christians are bound to Christ. To His church as a faith family. As He's already said in this passage that we read, one body, many members. It's one family in Christ. He says to be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love. It's where we get the word Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, right? Not so brotherly loving today. Nevertheless, there were folks at that time who were known by this, and this was used uh, of the Christians. It is only seen, not just in the New Testament, but in outside writing, describing the love that Christians had for each other. Christians in the first century were weird. Guess what? We're weird today. And we're supposed to be. They were accused of all sorts of things in the first century because of the pagan views and ideas. They look at the church and they go, what in the world are y'all doing? Sadly today, I think it's less of the world looking at us going, what are you doing? It's more of God going, what are you doing? The world looks at most churches today and applauds. It's fine. It's acceptable. Satisfactory. But I'd wonder if the look from the Lord would be the same. What this word means it is that it's a family-like closeness, a brotherly love, regardless, and this is important. In the first century church, they understood this better than what we do. It was to love and to show love and kindness to one another, especially within the body of Christ, within the church, not based upon status, background, where you got your meal from or how you're going to get your meal, line of work, where you live in the county, what kind of truck you drive. They didn't have to worry about those problems. But they had a whole lot of problems to worry about. Like the status of class. Are you, are you free? Are you a slave? Are you an owner of a shop? Or, or are you a, a servant? Right? What, what are you? Where are you from? Where are you like? Are you rich? Are you poor? We've got a lot of those same sorts of things today. And what he was really getting at is that to love one another in brotherly love is that we could care less about where somebody's from what they look like, act like, smell like. We care that they love Jesus and that they want to be conformed to Jesus and to be used by Jesus in Jesus' church. So what it means is for us today is to not care so much about the outward or the outward color of carpet or the aesthetics of things. Not even having the knockdown dragouts about if we have a guitar up here or an electronic drum kit. <gasps> said what I said. What this means is that we are able to love each other because each other loves Christ and wants to make much of Jesus. And if we make much of Jesus, I believe that He will bless His church because that's what He does. But he says, in this, not just love like brothers, but he says, in honor, preferring one another. Not preferring oneself, not preferring this or that. Because I'll tell you this, most folks leave church based upon a preference, not a doctrinal issue. Most fights in a church are based upon a preference and not a doctrinal issue. And then we're not even talking about 
essential doctrinal issues, right? And that's a whole other sermon for a whole other day. What this does is it calls us to humble ourselves and to exalt others, and that's what love does. So when we bring it back to what real love is, when you love husbands, when you love your wife as Christ loved the church, it means that you sacrifice and you give yourself, even if she's not very loving that day. Wives, it means that you love your husbands even when he's a knucklehead. And guess what? He's always going to be a knucklehead. To love as a family unit because we are Christ-centered and we desire to be a Christ-centered church. It gives as well the idea of recognition and appreciation to others. I want to challenge you to do something, alright? I want to challenge you to do this. I want you Next week, maybe even practice it on your way out. I want you to thank, and I'm going to give you some specifics, okay? I want you to thank the people who sung that day. I want you to thank the people that played, whether that, whether over there or over there. I want you to thank the people that took care of the sound booth that nobody had to worry about. I want you to take care of saying thank you to the people that passed up the bulletins. Or maybe somebody that did the counting. Because y'all know who does the counting. They're up and moving. People that did the nursery. Just say thanks. And I'll tell you what. They'll be a whole lot happier to keep serving. And it just might challenge you to want to do the same. We don't do, and no one in here should do what they do for thanks. But it goes a long way. It is really the idea of an honor preferring one another to give honor to who it's due whether it's those that clean the carpets that nobody has to work. Any of y'all walked in here this morning and said, oh, i got to grab that vacuum cleaner. No. i got to empty that check. No. Because people just silently serve the Lord. They sacrifice, not because just they love you, but because they love Jesus. We must sacrifice our pride and our preference out the door to be able to love without hypocrisy, to be able to hate that which is evil, to be able to cleave to that which is good, to be able to kindly be affectionate one to another in brotherly love, in honor preferring one another. Why? Because we should all be grateful of how God uses the body. Every single member in this place today has a purpose by God to be used for God. Thank God for that. And I thank God even that every church doesn't look like this. That every pastor doesn't preach like I preach. That every person does things in a different way. Why? Because God uses a multitude of people in a multitude of ways to accomplish one good, and that is the good of His people, the gospel to be proclaimed, all for the glory of God. But this means something as well for all of us. That we all have something to offer, and that we all have a seat at the table. As we close, I want to challenge you with two things. One, we must, must, must be genuine in our love. Don't fake it. The Christian life is not one that you can fake it till you make it. It's not one that you can guess, see, and, and hope you get the right answer. You either is or you ain't. You're either in or you're out. And I want to be all in for the Lord. 
There's no room for hypocrisy or evil in our church. Hypocritical, hypocritical love is not love. Secondly and lastly, we must sacrifice for our faith community to be Christ-centered Christians if we want to have a Christ-centered church. And I'd love to see a Christ-centered community, wouldn't you? We're talking about a community, a county, a country that needs Jesus. But all that starts right here in your heart and mine. Let me ask you, are you loving like Jesus? Let me ask you now, and you don't have to look around and try to get your answer or even try to think too hard on this. Did you wear a mask coming in here to try to fool people about your spiritual condition? Did you try to fool God today? Did you try to fool your own self? Got an ounce of hypocrisy in you. I want you to, right now, before the piano even plays, in a moment we'll stand. You get that right with God. Let me ask you, church, you want to be a Christ-centered church? Amen. I'm glad one of you does. Praise God. We want to be a Christ-centered church, don't we? But it's going to start with every individual saying amen. Not for me to hear it, but amen in your heart to say, God, let it start with me. The character of a Christ-centered church and a Christ-centered Christian begins with sacrifice. Today, let's all stand. And we've got an opportunity now to sacrifice those things at the altar. If you have a need today, would you come? If you need to know Christ today, come. Take the Bible and show you Jesus. Come and confess. And He'll save you. Today, if you have a need, conviction, an issue, sacrifice these things. And Christ can be made the center of your whole life and the center of this church and can do great things in us and through us. Would you come today?
Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, for this time. God, for the songs, for the worship lifted. God, I pray that you would continue to do work in hearts and lives. God, we're thank you. We're just thankful, Lord, that you'd meet with us today. God, help us to go from this place, Lord, to, uh, to be real. Lord, to seek you and to be Christ-centered in all that we do, all that we say. Lord, as your church continues to move forward, continue to try to reach our community, God, help us do so with you at the forefront of all things. We love you, and we thank you for this time in Christ's name. Amen. Remain standing. We will dismiss books. Much better now. I say remain standing, and we'll dismiss after this song. Psalm 103.1 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. That's exactly word for word what this song says. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy done great things he has done great things he has done great things bless his holy name sing with me now bless the lord oh my soul and all that is within me Bless his holy name. Amen. We're dismissed. Thank you, Hunter. Thank you, Hunter, for helping out. You done good. You done good. Thank you. Huh? And thank you for playing the piano, Miss Joanne.